second Bible reading today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 14, and that's found on page 1274. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Amen. Thank you, uh, Jonathan, for reading God's word to us this morning. Let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will help us to understand it and to apply it in our hearts and lives as we look at this topic <clears throat> about the devil, the roaring lion. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit will continue to do his work amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, friends, I remember back in Sri Lanka, uh, our house was close to a zoo, um, which uh, was quite interesting at times to go in there. I enjoyed visiting the zoo in Colombo, and especially I enjoyed watching the elephant dance. I don't know whether you've seen it. Maybe some of you have visited zoos and you've seen the elephant dance in the zoos. It's quite unique, I think. It's quite amazing. This mighty beast doing their dances and carrying people up on the trunks and raising their legs and, ah, boy, it's wonderful. Anyway, the fact of the matter is that early in the morning, I used to hear and we used to hear the lions roar. Also, very, very strong sound that came to our home and I remember growing up as a young boy and saying to my parents, I wonder what would happen if those lions would come out. Will we be safe, Mom? Will we be safe, Dad? And they always assured me that it will be all right. The lions, they roared, and you could hear the roar of the lion. Have you, I'm sure we've heard the, uh, a lion's roar, right? Uh, it's a thunderous voice, isn't it? They're majestic animals. But I'm sure that none would want to face a roaring lion. A very scary thought. The lion is the king of the jungle. Remember this movie? Right? The Lion King. Not the animated musical drama. Well, in our text this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, which is just two verses, we read of a roaring... <coughs> We read of a roaring lion. And Peter's readers at the time were facing persecution. They were suffering because they followed Jesus. In fact, suffering for being a Christian is a recurrent theme in this letter. 
and this persecution would come in many forms. These Christians had lost their jobs, some were marginalized, life was really tough for them. And Peter introduces us to an enemy that comes into the mix of this persecution, a roaring lion who is after its prey. And so I want us to keep our Bibles open to this passage this morning. And so Peter introduces us into this, to this new figure that is brought in for the first time in the book, The Roaring Lion, The Devil. See, this is what we read in the text. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. I think this is the, well, this is the only reference in this letter to spiritual darkness and a spiritual attack that is found here with reference to the devil. You see, the devil is portrayed here as a roaring lion going from one place, sorry, going from one place to another, moving, seeking its prey. And the roar of a lion would scatter a flock of sheep or other animals. It is indeed scary. It is a graphic image of the lion's desire to get its prey and to kill it, to destroy it, to annihilate it. And Peter likens the devil to a roaring lion. You see, remember, we first encounter Satan in the form of a serpent, right? In the form of a serpent. I was at a meeting last week, um, and one of the parents at this meeting said to me, Oh, we have a pet at home. I said, yeah? Tell me about it. Oh, we have a python. Oh, okay. Well, what does he do, this python? Oh, he walks around, not walks, crawls around. We see it, didn't walk. It's crawling around, and it's quite all right. Are you, are you comfortable with it? Oh, yeah, no problem. My husband loves it. It's all okay. Now, I wouldn't want to go to that house. I can show you that, right? The, the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, God gave, God gave Adam and Eve a command not to eat of the fruit of a, of a certain tree. And Satan, in the form of that serpent, then confronted Eve and Adam, not with a particular trait, but with a temptation. You will be like God. Genesis chapter 2. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, you can see that in your Bibles we have the entire fall of Adam and Eve into sin, where Satan is described through as the serpent is described as the most craftiest beast of all. And so Satan tempts Eve and Adam, and so we have the fall into sin. And here, in this text here this morning, uh, Peter speaks about this devil, and it comes from the word that means diabolos. The, the Hebrew word means adversary. And Satan is sometimes called in the Bible, and this is such an important thing, friends. As I was preparing this text, you see, we need to understand the powers of this dark enemy called Satan. 
Now I have witnessed people who were possessed by the demons. I have seen it with my very eyes. I had a friend in Sri Lanka, a very close friend, who lived down the street. And uh, the family was involved with all kinds of animistic kind of worship. And my friend was possessed by a demon. I still remember it. I went to visit him in his home, and my parents said to me, Chris, you shouldn't be going, son, you shouldn't be going there. But as, as a friend, as I knew him, I, I, I was absolutely astonished to see what was going on in, this, in my friend's life. And before I came to know Christ, I used to visit the temples, as I've told you. And I used to sit there and used to worship in full white. And um, I, I've seen people getting into a trance and out of control, possessed by demons. And I had no idea what was going on. And I thought that these people, well, they had a special connection with the, the spiritual world. And little did I realize at the time that they were actually possessed by demons, uncontrollable in their strength. I've seen it scary. You see, that's the extreme form of the attacks of Satan. You see, the Bible speaks of Satan in the following ways. It speaks of him as the ruler of this world, <clears throat> the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the cosmic power over this present darkness. And in the Bible, friends, Satan is also named in a variety of ways. He is a slanderer. That is, one who turns truth into lies. Right? The Bible talks about that. You see, we are called to speak the truth in love. Right? And, and, and Satan is a slanderer where he turns truth into, into lies. He is the accuser. Accusing God's people in Zechariah chapter 3, you can read about it. Right? Perhaps he's asking you the question, are you a Christian? What good is it for you to be a Christian? Has Jesus really died for you? And perhaps Satan is playing mind games in your head and making you think all kinds of things about yourself. And putting you down. And, and bringing you down in to, to the extent that you wonder whether Christ actually died for you on the cross. So he's an accuser. He'll be accusing you of everything possible to bring you down and to see you being destroyed in your faith. He's an enemy. He's the dragon. The Bible calls him a murderer. The Bible tells us he's the father of lies. Is the destroyer. Can you see this? Can you see what is going on? It's like a serpent that can bite us when we least expect it. And his serpent likeness is his sneakiness, and his lion likeness is his strength. An incredible combination. And in particular, his attack or his strike power is really strong. And so he's a roaring lion looking for its prey. And therefore the devil is real. Satan is real. Remember three times Jesus called the devil the ruler of this world. C.S. Lewis had this to say about the devil. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. 
One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. Notice what Peter says in the text. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You see, notice this devil is prowling. He's a roaring lion looking for someone to attack. The adversary is a formidable enemy. And notice Peter says, your enemy, the devil, is at work. You see, uh, we are meeting here this morning. We are worshipping our great God. We are exalting the name of Jesus Christ. Do you think the enemy is happy about that? He will do his attacks right here in the pulpit. But he will attack us right, right when we don't expect it to happen. And we ought to be mindful of the fact, my friends, that he is a formidable enemy who is at work. And we see this by how Peter describes that this enemy is at work by speaking of him as a roaring lion. He's, a, he's in opposition to God's work. And like a snake slithers and comes around, so is Satan. He is the tempter. In fact, in each of the synoptic gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Satan appears as a tempter of Jesus Christ. He tempted Jesus. And what was the reason of the temptation? And I was looking at this passage and I looked at the gospel of Luke and the other passages. You see, the reason that Jesus, that Jesus was tempted by Satan was ultimately, you know what? And why? He wanted to prevent Christ from going where? To the cross. To the cross. You see, throughout the Bible, Satan is presented as an enemy of God and his people, our greatest opponent. And church leaders and the congregation are vulnerable to Satan's attack within the church. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1, and 6, 1 to 6. The leaders of the church don't appoint young elders. It says there that they can be a novice, be a hand in a tool in the hand of the devils. The enemy seeks to destroy the church's unity. All right, uh, John Piper says this. <clears throat> I think people tend to think in terms of extraordinary when they think of the devil. And the New Testament pictures the devil not mainly as doing something extraordinary, but as doing very ordinary, deadly, horrible, arrow-shooting attacks on our hearts. So lift up the shield of faith, quench the fiery darts of the devil that's coming towards you. We have an enemy who is every day trying to destroy us. Do you see that? I want to remind us this morning, friends, that we are in a spiritual battle, yes? And the battle is on all the time. And as the church progresses, I'm just speaking now for us here at St. Stephen's, as we progress in Christ as God's people, let us be mindful of the enemy's schemes to destroy the work of the gospel in this place. Yeah? I've spoken to my elders and some of them have said to me, Chris, we need to be mindful of the schemes of Satan and his attacks. Paul wants the Corinthian church with these words about Satan. You see, so that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, 
so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his ways. Outwitted by Satan, not ignorant of his ways. You see, the Puritan, William Gurnall, was fond of saying this, where God is on one side, you may be sure to find the devil on the other. Where God is on one side, you may be sure to find the devil on the other. So friends, this morning, you might be cruising along in life. In our, about our personal lives, we are vulnerable to this roaring lion, right? The devil, yes? <clears throat> Have you noticed at times when you feel the attacks of the enemy? It comes. And sometimes it comes from the most unexpected source. Believe me, this year, by God's grace, a complete 25 years in Christian ministry, in pastor ministry. And I've seen at times the attacks of the enemy. And I've said to my, my wife, Rose, dear, this is an attack as we can see it. And we need to be standing strong in Christ. And, you know, Satan will attack will attack the leaders of the church, uh, bring discouragement and despondency. And that's why I want to encourage you to pray. Pray for people like John and, and Yvonne, for myself, for others who are leading, your leaders, for us as a congregation, because we are on the frontline attack. And we need the strength of God's people and the power of God to face the enemy. In our personal lives, perhaps, Peter reminds his readers within the context of humility, of leadership and suffering, he says... Be strong. So how are we to respond to this roaring lion, friends? Do we panic? Do we run? Do we surrender? Do we go away? We can't? No, we don't. Peter says, be alert, sober-minded. In fact, I think he gives us five. I'll point out five strategies this morning, I believe, in this passage on how we can respond to the devil. Right? Five aspects of it. It says, be sober-minded, be alert, resist him, stand firm in the faith. Remember, we are not alone. Five strategies. Be sober-minded, be clear-headed. The devil is not, a, not the immediate cause of all our suffering. Let me give you an example. As fallen human beings, we can do enough damage to ourselves and others without the devil's prodding. For example, if I'm speeding on the road, right, due to my own foolishness, and I get caught by a police officer, I don't think it will go too well if I would say to him, Sir, the devil made me speed. <laughs> Try that one, right? The devil made me speed. It's not my... I didn't actually press the accelerator. So the devil made me do that. All right. Well, I'll do further work for you. I'll take your license from you so that you won't be able to drive at all. Would you like that? I don't think that's going to work out, would it? Right? We have responsible for our own actions as well. So be sober-minded. Start thinking as God has given us a brain to think. Use our prayer that God will help us to be sober, to think to act wisely, to use the, the, the wisdom that God gives us and pray, Lord, 
Give me wisdom to live wisely in this world. To be sober minded. To think rightly. We don't leave our minds in the back shed in the house, friends. Do we? When we use it. I think John Stott has written an excellent book. I haven't read it. I just got it a few weeks ago. Of what it means to use our minds. Then he says, be alert. Be alert about our environment. What is going on? Are there temptations around us? Remember Joseph, what did he do when he was tempted? Right? He's, he, he, he was able to suss out the situation. Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him, basically to have sex with him. Every time she approached him, he kind of said no. And then finally, what did he do? <laughs> Joseph just ran. <laughs> he ran. So be alert. At the Last Supper, remember Jesus spoke to Peter in, chapter, in Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan's demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And Simon Peter said, no, no, this is Peter, the guy who's writing this letter. No, Lord, I'm going to go all the way for you. What happened that night? He denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Satan got him. And he went out, Peter said, and Luke says he went out and bet, and, and he wept bitterly. Then resist him. You see, in the southern, um, in southern France, overlooking the Mediterranean, there stands this tower known as the Tower of Constance. And in the 18th century, Huguenot women were imprisoned here. This word Huguenot basically means, I hope I got the pronunciation right, a member of the, the Protestant Church in France, and they were fiercely critical of the Catholic Church, and as a result, faced persecution from the time of the Reformation. And they were imprisoned there for decades because of their refusal to surrender their faith in Christ. And in this tower was a young girl by the name of Marie Durand. She was only 15 years old when she was taken in there. That's her. I don't think we got a good picture there. Wasn't 15 at that when that <laughs> was done, I'm sure. Right? right? I just want to get the point here this morning, friends. She was to remain in that tower for 38 years. For 38 years. And on several occasions, she would be asked in a formal proceeding to recant her reformed faith, that is essentially to recant her faith in Christ. She was an amazing young person. Let me say this. Although just 15, she became the tireless Christian focus of the tower and remained the spiritual leader of the prisoners for 38 years. She would read psalms aloud every day. She encouraged her fellow prisoners to sing hymns. And not all the women were Christians. Some were crude, but the prisoners knew her for her faith. And in 1767, 38 years in the tower, she was released. Her father, brother, and husband were dead. But there was one word that stood out in her life. And etched on a stone in the tower is the French verb. Now, I'm not a, a good French uh, scholar. I don't know French that well. I know some people do. There was one verb that was written there. It's, it's pronounced resister. Right? I hope I got it right. No, I didn't. That's okay. If you know it, tell it. <laughs> okay, the, the, the word basically means to resist. It means resistance. Right. 
this one word was etched onto the wall there. And that word signified her life. Peter says, if you want to stand strong, then resist the enemy, Satan. And he says also, stand firm in the faith. Stand firm. Ephesians, you can look at that. In the word of God, sola scriptura, God's word for us. And then Peter says this, resist him. I'm going through this text here. I have so many other notes. But if you want a copy of the sermon, some of you have asked me. I will email it to you straight away because there are more notes on this this morning. Standing strong on God's word. And then he says, remember we are not alone because there are others who have gone before us and others who are facing the same battle. So friends, this morning, if you are going through a trial in your life, if you are really going through a real testing time today, and if Satan is giving you a hard time, be reminded this morning that we be sober-minded, be alert Resist him, stand firm in the faith, remember you are not alone. There are other Christians facing the same battles, right? You are not alone. So if you are a Christian this morning, don't let Satan bring you down by saying that you are unworthy. You are some second grade Christian. Claim the promises of God and trust him in your life. The Apostle John said this, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, do you know the rest of the text? For he who is in you is, is greater, is greater than he who is in the world. Do you believe that this morning? Right? The God who the God who is in you through the power of his Holy Spirit who has made you his child and who has sealed you with the Holy Spirit the most powerful God the God of heaven and earth the God who has empowered us through his Holy Spirit the God who is the greatest God who seals us with the Holy Spirit says you are mine for eternity, and Satan will have no part of you because you are my child. That's the power of our living God, friends. Do you believe that this morning? You see? You see, Satan is the great and powerful, Satan is great and powerful, but the cheap imitation of Jesus. <clears throat> Remember, Remember the chronicles of Narnia. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And Aslan. Alright? I want us to see this for a moment. I hope the guys can get this going, please. Right. Remember what happened. We're speaking about another, another lion here.
Aslan. What have they done? interpreted the deep magic differently. That when a willing victim who has committed no treachery is killed in a traitor's stead, the stone table will crack, and even death itself would turn backwards. We sent the news that you were dead. Peter and Edmund will have gone to war. We have to help them. We will, dear one, but not alone. Climb on my back. We have far to go, and little time to get there. You may want to cover your ears. <laughs> Remember that scene, right? I want to speak to you this morning also. The other lion friends. Revelation chapter 5. What? We have these words there. It should be 5-5 five, five actually. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. We have one lion, the roaring lion, like is likened to Satan. It's like a roaring lion. But we have the conquering lion. See this? Do you see that this morning? One is a destroyer. One is the conquering king. Just like Aslan in, in that movie. What a great Savior Jesus Christ is. Amen to that, friends, this morning. All right? Amen to that because our Savior has conquered the grave, the lion, the lamb of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the conquering king. He gave his life. He died. Rose again. Conquered the grave. Crushed Satan. Yes, the devil is active. But a day will come when he will be completely destroyed. We have a wounded lion who is roaring today. A day will come when he will be no more. But we praise God for the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus. Did you see that this morning? And so today, when you come, when we come to celebrate this supper this morning, be reminded of what Christ has done. Be strengthened in him and know that we worship the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the risen Lamb, King Almighty. Amen. Let's pray.